This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we welcome you to this edition of the Tuesday People podcast. I am Mitch Album, your host, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, which was myself and Maury Schwartz, my old college professor, uh, sitting together every Tuesday during the final months of his life as he died from Lou Gehrig's disease and gave me a very precious last class in what matters in life once you really know you're going to die and the lessons that were learned from that, turned into the book Tuesdays with Maury, and they're inspiring us even now, 25 years after I sat in that room with Maury. Alongside, as always, is my good friend and producer, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Pleased to be here, Mitch. Things have uh, calmed down a little out where you are in Los Angeles, a little bit. Yes. Maybe. Last week, when we recorded, it was crazy here, yeah. like... Our neighborhood in particular was really, really bad, bad. We had, a house, we had a car burning. I was sitting here with my window open while we were recording. I'm like, right. something's burning. Like, I thought my husband was cooking something. I don't know, like <laughs> eggs or something. And like, something's burning. When we got done recording, I went outside and I'm like, wow, look in the sky. And there was literally a car completely torched right on our corner, mm. just burned down to a crisp. So it was bad. It was very bad. Well, of course, here in Detroit, we've had plenty of our own uh, demonstrations, although peaceful, I must say, and I'm very proud of our city. Uh, they've been peaceful, and they've been uh, almost totally without looting and without violence, without everything. And and uh, there's a lot, you know, uh, there's a reason for that. There's a history here in Detroit that a lot of other cities don't have. We've sort of gone through this before in the 60s and, and learned a lot of lessons from it. But today we want to talk about how to deal with a lot of the emotions that are coming up during this process, whether you are African-American or non-African-American, whether you are empathetic to the cause or critical of the cause, uh, whether you feel like enough is enough or enough is never enough, how can people as human beings, because this is a show that talks about how we relate to one another as human beings. It's not a political program in any way. It never has been and it likely never will be. Um, Maury Schwartz, when he was dying, was the absolute opposite of political. He was apolitical and he was, uh, it's as if his, his whole background melted off and the things that he was sharing, uh, in particular the ones that I shared in the book Tuesdays with Maury, were, were about humanity. And so how can people be human and be true to themselves and navigate all of the things that are going on? Because there are many people who just want to say something, comment in some way, and doing so can get them in a lot of trouble. Multiple examples over the course of the past week. 
a broadcaster in the Sacramento area, basketball broadcaster, responded to a tweet from a basketball player from the NBA asking him what he thought of Black Lives Matter now, given what was going on, and tweeted out a message that basically said all lives matter. I've always thought that all lives matter. He was fired, essentially, from his job. He didn't use a bad word. He didn't insult anybody. But the, the sentiment was, you're saying all lives matter. That's denying the significance of Black Lives Matter. And so you are insulting what's going on, and you're being insensitive. And the team said, we can't have that. And he was let go. You saw what happened in the uh, New York Times where the op-ed page editor made a decision to run an editorial, an op-ed piece that they had gotten from uh, a senator, an Arkansas senator, who's Republican, who was in favor of calling in the National Guard. And they ran that along with probably the only piece that ran anywhere in the New York Times that was at all in favor of that. It was clearly an op-ed piece written by this guy who is a, a significant player in politics and may even be a presidential candidate. And that was the justification mm-hmm. for saying, you know, this is a paper that's printed articles by members of the Taliban. This is a paper that's printed articles by uh, Putin of Russia. It's not like they don't take foreign positions, uh, even though that those you would think would be alien to the position of the newspaper. For running that, there was such criticism of him that ultimately he stepped away. He resigned over the weekend. Again, wow. he didn't insult anybody. He didn't do, it was just for publishing a point of view that was considered to be irresponsible, uh, wasn't totally factual within the, the op-ed piece. Uh, but mainly the claim was it's making life unsafe for the black journalists who work at the New York Times. And with that claim, basically he, was, he stepped aside. So here we have examples of now uh, Drew Brees, the quarterback for the uh, New Orleans Saints, was asked a question last week about kneeling for the national anthem and said, I don't respect people who don't stand for the national anthem. And he cited his grandparents, who fought, his grandfathers who fought in the war. And he always had stood for the national anthem. He was lambasted, taken through the a mill by everybody and, 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 and so badly that he issued an apology the following day uh, and then apologized with a video later that day and apologized again. And even when President Trump said, well, I support what you said, and uh, he he kind of denied him. So all of these are examples of people who have felt that they want to say something. They want to make a comment. They want to talk about what's going on at the time and have ended up in trouble for it. Now, I'm not here to adjudicate what people should or shouldn't get in trouble for. Every industry is different. Every case is different. Every personnel is different. I have no position or no standing to say, when someone says this, that's a fireable offense. When somebody doesn't say that, that's a fireable offense. What I am here to try to point out is that there are times for talking and there are times for listening. And The same thing that might be said last week could have been said four weeks ago, might be able to be said four weeks from now, but can't be said last week. There are times in interpersonal relationships 
with all of us, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's in a group setting or whether it's on a national level, that people are sensitive to certain things being said and not the same sensitivity later on. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. Listen to a a cut I found of Maury and I when we were talking that has to do with compassion for other people. Now, this was just, we were just talking in a general sense, and he was talking about why it's tough for people to develop compassion for other people, particularly people that they don't know, not family members, but people that they don't know. And listen to what he had to say about it. Two things I want to say is when we were talking about the difficulty of people, you know, developing this compassion. And I was saying the culture doesn't provide them a framework for doing it. The second point I wanted to make is that, and this is in your uh, arena, is that the media and the general culture defines what is permissible and acceptable talk. Permissible and acceptable talk. and that kind of talk about compassion and kindness and so on is not acceptable talk mm-hmm. at this time mm-hmm. of our life, so to speak. Okay, so what Maury was saying there in 1995 still holds true today in 2020, that many of us get our cues and our information and our opinion, and in many cases our emotions, from the media. And if you watch Fox News, you're going to hear one thing. And if you watch CNN or MSNBC, you're going to hear another. If you read the Wall Street Journal, you're going to have one take on it. If you read the New York Times, you're going to have another. And, and, and Maury was right then and he's right now. Most of these places do not advocate a across-the-board humanity position across-the-board compassion and humanity position. They are of the moment. They are, here's how you should react, of the moment, because they're Mm -hmm. in the news business. So news is, you know, this is the news, this is how you should react to the news. Uh, This is how you should react to the news of George Floyd's killing. This is how you should react to the news of the looting that's going on. You should be furious. You should be empathetic. You should be this. And and we're hearing, you know, most most of these uh, stations, uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, you know, I've worked for MSNBC years ago. They broadcast my radio show, and I know many, many people on all of those networks. I've done their shows as guests on every single one of them. And they are essentially, they're not bringing you the news in the way that, you know, back when those of us who remember the the old 6 o'clock news that was national, you know, someone would read you a story uh, and tell you the facts of the story, and that was it. Everyone who comes on, be it Anderson Cooper, be it Rachel Maddow, be it uh, Sean Hannity, they come on with a point of view. And they've got a a point of view, and they're not not disguising it. Uh, They're they're saying we're bringing you the news, but we're basically bringing you the news that we think is important or that we want you to hear. So... They're not advocating a position of compassion for all. 
and humanity for all. So stop immersing yourself in it. I know this is a time with COVID-19 and with everything that's going on with the protests and all that, that people feel like I can't not watch. I can't right. not go to the web. I've got to know what's going on. But you need to recognize that that can infiltrate your humanity. Mm-hmm. It can make you angry. It can make you angry because of the way that something, it can make you angry because you agree with what they're saying. It can make you angry because you disagree with what they're saying. But they are not taking a big, broad view of the world and life. They are taking a view of the world right at this moment, right at this white hot moment. And so if you find yourself getting angry and losing your ability to have compassion, you need to step away from that. You need to step outside, take a breath of air. Thank God it's summer. Talk to, talk to a loved one. Talk to a neighbor. Engage in something that relaxes you, reading or, or music or whatever, until you can get back to feeling in touch with your own humanity. If you feel that something's boiling inside you, somebody turned the, the flame up, you're already too far along to go out and say something. Because if you go out and say something in that mood, you may regret it. You may do damage yeah. to yourself professionally. You may do damage to your friendships. You may just regret it, period, because, well, I just said that because I was angry over things. And, and yet it's nowadays, especially if you go post something, yeah, it's going to live gonna It's going to live there forever. Right, Lisa? Yeah, that was social media. I just actually took a step back this past week because of this. You know, I'm normally pl- pretty open when I post. People, my friends know my viewpoints on things. And um, I just don't think now is the time or place for me to share that. I'll share, like I said, I, I shared a protest video that I did. I went to a protest last week. I'll do that. But without editorializing, I just post it, let it lie. It gets to be too much. You know what I mean? And sometimes you don't know what to say. And you just need to live in a place of just silence for a little bit and like you're saying listen you know listen it's it's been difficult and and, and you don't want to go off for sure well you don't want to go off and you don't even want to go overboard you know i i I know there are a lot of uh uh, white americans who feel compelled to somehow apologize to their black american friends by issuing these statements and then i i the, the new york times where they the op-ed page, the same page where they ran that piece by Senator Cotton that ultimately got a guy, guy fired, they ran a piece a day or two later by an African-American writer, I don't know his name, but not a well-known writer, uh, you know, not, not, not somebody who you consider a powerful person in any way, shape, or form, but they chose to write his piece about, I don't want my white friends calling me and giving me empathy. You, you know, I don't want you telling me how you feel. I, don't, I was very like, don't call me. You know, and don't tell me that you're you sympathy for me. And, don't, and, 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 you know, he was complaining that people, his friends didn't, his white friends didn't know what to say. Well, again, all part of the same thing. Sometimes it's best to just listen. It's okay to listen. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay not to comment. It's okay to just wait until the flames of something die down enough to have some perspective. There's a famous old expression, I'm sure you've heard it before, you know, better to be silent and appear ignorant than to speak and remove all doubt. And, (laughs) you know, think about that. You don't have to say something 
at every moment. And in social media time, we feel like we've got to comment, we've got to we've got to apologize, we've got to explain, we've got to you know, even that Drew Brees thing, it was it was like 24 hours of first he gives an interview. Why give the interview? You don't have to give an interview, but he gives an interview, makes a comment, then he someone calls him about that, so he gives another interview and makes another comment. Then all the stuff hits the fan and then he issues an a written apology followed by a video apology, followed by another video apology. He's crying into the camera. This is all within 24 hours. All of which right. could have been probably avoided if he just chose to. I'm just. I'm not going to speak right now. I'm just going to listen. There are clearly people who are hurting. People don't protest like this for no reason. There are people who have been victimized. People don't just come out in the street for no reason. Uh, and and the, and it is this. It is the time for people who have felt this to be heard. And it's okay to listen. You even if you don't agree with everything that's being said, does it really hurt you to listen? Do you have to interrupt somebody to say, "Wait a minute, I disagree with that. I've got to register my disagreement right now." Listen, Maury was wonderful at listening. He was the best listener that I I think I've ever I've ever met. He had a way of just uh, making you feel like you're going to talk about something. Okay, he would look, he would nod. You would go on. He would nod a little bit more. It, it could have been of no interest to him. But right. it was important to you, so he listened. And if we all could develop that capacity to listen, we would be much, much better off. Now, why was he that way? What did he have? So you say, well, okay, what, was his, what would he be doing right now? That's what I've been wondering this whole time. Actually. Well, what's interesting is people may not remember this, but during the time that I visited with Maury, it was the end of the O.J. Simpson trial. It was all during, you know, it was it was well past mm-hmm. the Bronco chase and all that, and it was when it was in trial. And if you remember, because everybody likes to think that controversy was invented yesterday. No, it wasn't. It's been around for a long time. And right. racial issues have been around for a long time. In 1995, in that uh, fall, late summer and fall, uh, it was actually during the summer, I think, or spring, summer, uh, that's when O.J. Simpson was on trial. That's when the famous, if it doesn't fit, you doesn't fit, you must acquit comment about the but, gloves. Yeah, right. And all the characters from Cato Kalin uh, all the way on became, you know, there was basically a daily referendum in America when that was going on, on race. Every day, right. people would watch would watch that trial and then would take their positions and start arguing left or right about how, what, what do you make of that? And what do you make of that? And if there was something that looked like it was in favor of OJ Simpson, uh, people would come out and say, you see, you see, you see. And if it was the other way, people say, you see, you see, you see, guilty, guilty, innocent, innocent, right up until the culmination where the verdict was announced. And if you remember when the verdict was announced and OJ Simpson was found not guilty, there was all kind of protests that went on in the streets including some destruction, if I remember correctly, and all that. It was really, really angry time. So if you ask me, well, what would Maury have thought about that time? I can tell you that we spent no time talking about that. Wow. None. And I remember that, you know, he said, yeah, I'm aware of it, but I, I can't watch it all day. It's, you know, let's talk about things that are going to be here forever. He was trying to teach me a last class in what's important in life once you know you're going to die, not whether OJ did it or not. But at the moment, right. we felt like 
whether OJ did or not was the most important thing that we could possibly have an opinion on. And I remember, ironically, I was there on a Tuesday, so I'm pretty sure that the verdict was announced on a Tuesday, or else I was there some other day by accident, because it was announced that day, and I said to Maury, oh, this is a big day, they're going to announce whatever, and I never watched television when I was at Maury's, ever. But I went to the TV set when I heard that it was going to happen, and Maury went to the bathroom. And <laughs> as as the, he just had to, and as they announced the verdict, I remember within a second or two hearing the toilet flush. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I thought, oh, my God, you know, he was found innocent. Oh, what's this going to mean? Oh, my God. And I heard the toilet flush. And then Maury was wheeled back by, by a, a, you know, a, a hospice nurse or whoever was there, slowly lifted very delicately, very carefully back into his chair, which took all kinds of effort and all kinds of time. And I had to put him in where he was comfortable, and you could see he was in pain, and his, his, his body wasn't sitting right in the chair, and I had to adjust it and then adjust the blanket that went over him. And it took a, quite a bit of time before he was finally ready to sort of take a breath and refocus on me. And I remember thinking to myself, the whole world is watching this elsewhere. And here's this old man who just is trying to get comfortable in his dying days. Who's right? Wow, that really puts it into perspective. Who has a better perspective? (laughs) I mean, I'm not denying that the O.J. Simpson thing was significant, but I think when looking back on it, we would all agree that it probably got blown out of proportion by our media and by our fascination by there's still one person one you know one person one victim or two victims you know not not to diminish it in any way but should it have captured the entire world's attention or is that what media sometimes does and here was more who said i can't i don't have the ability to give all my time to that i only have a few months left i want to focus on what's really critical so Hmm. that's the answer to what would happen if he were around today, it's not that he wouldn't be empathetic because Maury was always empathetic. In fact, as you'll hear in this cut here, being sick actually made him more empathetic to other people. Listen to this little exchange. Have you felt a, uh, since you've been sick, a certain kinship with the human race at large that you didn't feel when you were healthy? Yep. Yep. I shudder when I hear about you know what's going on in Bosnia. Even those that are so distant, I can feel their horror, hmm. which I didn't before. You didn't feel that before. No, you're too self-preoccupied. Hmm. You would think that's the way it would be now. It's really interesting that your compassion increases when you're. S- when your self-preservation is threatened. Because you're right, you would think it would be exactly the opposite. I'm you sure. You stop thinking about anybody else. And just what but, do I have to do to... You know. But Mitch, that's why I've been counterculture all my life. Yeah. That's what you would do if you were a victim of this culture. Start to worry about yourself only. I'm much more concerned about other people. Mm-hmm. Really. When... Somebody comes in, they're not well. I want to know what's going on with them. Or they have a problem, I try to help solve it for them. So on. 
So you see, as Maury was dying, he became more compassionate to other people who were suffering. In this case, you heard him reference Bosnia. There was the, the war was going on then during that time. But Maury was no closer to a Bosnian than he as a Caucasian would have been to an African-American uh, at the right. hands of a police officer. But he was able to find compassion and to listen and to watch because he felt his own mortality. And that's really the... You know, that's kind of the way I suggest for people to deal with some of the anger and that comes up that they feel, I've got to say something. How can you force yourself to listen? First, I would say, well, put yourself, whatever that the group is that's being represented, okay? Let's say, okay, let's say you're a, 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 a white uh, American citizen and you find that, gosh, this has been going on for so long now, day after day after day after day of these protests, day after day about how millions of dollars being given by every corporation to the NAACP, left, right, and center. Uh, and we keep hearing about how this is, this is uh, must be done by everybody. And I feel like people are just telling me how I have to think. And it's enough already. And why are they only bringing up these cases of this and not black-on-black crime or not numbers or whatever? Okay, I would say, well, first of all, take a breath. Secondly, if you're having trouble empathizing with one particular group of people, try to imagine if you were that group of people. So whatever your, let's say you're a Catholic and you feel that Catholics have been unfairly treated. Let's say you're... Native American, you feel Native Americans have been unfairly treated, or you're a Latino and you feel that. But you're looking at African-American groups and you're saying, you know, it's angering me now. Put your own group, make, make it like that was your group. Would you feel like too much had been said already? Or would you feel like, no, there's no, there's never too much because we haven't been heard up till now. And maybe suddenly you would say, well, I guess if it was my group, I wouldn't want to stop or I wouldn't feel that it was enough or I would feel like this is just making up for past injustices. I'm sure Native Americans in this country could feel that at almost any time. So that's one thing is to sort of put yourself into that particular group and then ask yourself that question that it, about Maury and Bosnia, like he said, can I find compassion here? Let me look inside myself to see, instead of my anger, all right, I know I have my anger. I know I have my disagreement. Let's put it to the side. Can I find right. compassion? And if you can, you will have achieved something. You will also say, I'm just going to listen now. I, I, I don't feel as angry. I don't feel compelled like I've got to come up and, and respond. Once you have compassion, compassion will always allow you to listen. Anger will clog your ears and basically say, you know, I've got to speak. I've got to tell you what I think about this. This is driving me crazy. Right. So this is not a time for anger. This is a time for compassion. This is a time to listen. I am not, again, I'm not telling you that what you listen to, you have to agree with. But I am saying that there's no harm in listening. You're not weakened by listening. We've gotten to a point in our culture where we feel if we don't comment right away, we are somehow losing. If you don't shoot back with a tweet when somebody tweets something that you don't like, 
you're missing out, you're losing, you're, you've been defeated. They've won because they got the last Twitter word in. It's like, you know, in the old sports teams, the, 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 the last run, you know, whoever scores first wins and you say, well, we didn't have, we didn't have a chance to get the ball back. It doesn't work like that. You don't lose just because you take a moment to listen. Nobody loses by listening. No, and also what I've found has been very helpful, if you have a differing opinion from somebody, to reach out to them and ask them how they have formed their opinion. You know, what, what is it about what you're saying that's important to you? You know, like I've been learning a lot of things about, I guess, subjects and stuff that I always thought I had a solid take on, you know, because it comes from my experience, right. how I was raised, what I went through. But you don't realize that not everybody was raised like you. You know, not everybody comes from a two-parent home or some people come from one-parent homes or some people were in foster care or, you know what I mean? There's, you, our lives are much different from one another's. And w how we grew up is what forms our opinions of certain situations. So somehow I've, you know, I've, I've found that just, like you're saying, not just listening, but sometimes asking a couple of questions. You know, you do develop empathy when you think, wow, okay, I see why you feel that way. You know, and I've, I've been doing that and it's, it's been very helpful to me. Right. And um, I'm really, and you don't to need to come when, when, when the person is done talking, you only need to say, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Thank with you. Me. Right. Exactly. That's don't say, saying. well, yeah. okay. Yeah. But, and then, yes. and then no feel buts. compelled oh. that you've got to tell them your take on it. Right. No, You're right. Gathering no. information and hearing people talk is great stuff. And, and just say, I just want to hear. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I right. appreciate it. And then, I'm going to mold this. I'm going to, I want to think about everything, you know, and you've yeah. just given me good information to think about. That's all. Right. And walk away from that conversation and then process what they told you. Right. You might even come away with some new insight right. on something. And if you don't, and if you come away with, I've, I've thought about it all and I, you know, I, I just disagree with it. Fine. You can keep that and to no yourself. And don't need to say anything. You don't right, need exactly. to say it at that moment, particularly mm -hmm. at this very, very volatile moment. You don't need to say it. I'll, I'll leave everybody right, with this right. with this comment. I had asked Maury back in October of 1995, a month before he died, uh, negative feelings. I asked him about a negative feelings. And does he feel that negative feelings now, as he was down to his final weeks of life, negative feelings were a waste of time? And he said, yes, absolutely. But, and then this is what he said. I can't control what comes up, my reactions. I can't control my re responses. Right. After I have the reaction, I either stay with it right. or dismiss it. This is exactly what we were just talking about. Your visceral reaction to something might be negative, but you have control over your response. You have control over whether you hit a tweet button or not. You have control over whether you have to respond on Facebook or not. You have control as to whether you have to open your mouth and scream something or pick up the phone or call somebody. You have control. The reaction is not automatically tied to the response. The reaction is you almost can't help it. You see something, you hear something, it makes you anger. But the, re the, the response right. is within your control. And when you recognize that it's within your control, you recognize that your response can be what? Listening. That can be your response. It's in your power 
to control the anger and frustration that you might be feeling right now for whatever reason, whatever side of the debate you might be on. Listen, control your reactions, find compassion. And I think if everybody did that, we'd very quickly amp down not just this situation, but all other situations where we just take things to such an angry point and a confrontational point. We are all more alike than different. We are all more alike than different. Maury would say that to me over and over again. And it shouldn't take dying to make us realize that. So hopefully this has been of some help. These are somewhat unusual shows during this time. They're in COVID-19 and now in the aftermath of the George Floyd situation. We, we don't do the same shows that we were doing four or five weeks before. Uh, but these are extraordinary times. And I find right. it very helpful to think about how would Maury be handling these extraordinary times. And I take a, a lot of comfort from some of the wisdom that he shared with me on these tapes that I am able to share with you. And I hope it is of some help to you. I hope it, his words, if not mine, then his, give you some comfort uh, and some good direction as we go on. We do this every Tuesday, and we're happy to have you joining our Tuesday People community. Lisa, you want to tell everybody who might be joining us for the first time how they can do that? Yeah, we are on Facebook at um, We Tuesday People. We have a Facebook group page that's a private group. Join it. It's really great. We have thousands of people now who are part of this thing, and we, we have very good discussions on that page as well. Our website is wetuesdaypeople.com. There you can get a full overview of everything. And we also have a listener line at 248-621-4701, 248-621-4701. Leave us messages. If you have any topics you'd like us to cover, uh, you can leave it there or on our Facebook page. Um, and we're available on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, also at We Tuesday People. All right. Until we see you in a week's time, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>